running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Clark, and Mr. Dominic Stern is here with you uh, as well. This is episode 149, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of uh, managerial options and uh, what's what's in the future for the San Diego Padres, right, Dominic? Yeah, the uh, the future of the San Diego Padres, is, I don't want to say is in jeopardy, but the direction it could go either way after a lost season. We haven't recorded since the season ended. We were hoping that the Padres would finish above 500. They were swept by the Giants to end the season. So, uh, didn't, didn't get that chance. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, I, I, that, that, uh, it was a really frustrating season. I, I don't know any other way to, to put it. It was a really uh, frustrating ending to the season. The first four months were awesome. Yeah, but I think that adds to the frustration because oh, 100%. they were actually good. And, and, and we assumed that playoffs were going to happen, and they didn't. I don't know. I would rather them to have sucked all year. And, and hovered around 500 for them to just give us what they gave us. But it is what it is. Uh, Jace Tingler lost his job as a result of this. And, it, and there, there really, there really was no other way to go. Right. Dominic. I mean, he, he had, he had to be let go for, for this epic collapse. Yeah. I don't think the collapse is solely on his shoulders. I think that's pretty easy to understand, but reading what we did about the stuff in the clubhouse and how didn't really have that much respect for any of the players. And how we lost the clubhouse. There was really no other way around it than to just have him be fired. Uh, the organization just don't want to keep him. Not sure if that's a good idea or not, just because, you know, if the players don't like him or if they don't have respect for him, then why would you keep him? But if they just didn't respect him as the manager, then I guess that makes sense. And it's very obvious that Jace Tingler and AJ Preller have a very good working relationship. Uh, that's basically the main reason why Tingler was hired to be the manager of the San Diego Padres, but really confusing as to why uh, this has to happen. And he needed to be fired. We'll see what direction AJ Preller wants to go in. Yeah. There's uh, some options, I guess, uh, that have uh, come to come to fruition for the Padres. Um, the first one, I guess, well, let's, let's talk about Ron Washington uh, basically finished runner up to the job to Jace Tingler uh, a couple of years ago. Give me your thoughts on Ron Washington uh, before I uh, before I speak on him. Well, so Washington, former manager, so he's not a first-time manager. I think that's the most important thing to look at. Definitely. He managed the Rangers earlier on in the decade. He managed them in the two World Series appearances, was one out away from winning the 2011 World Series, but Nelson Cruz. And uh, I'm not sure if you were aware of this story, yeah, James, cool. but uh, Nelson Cruz, you know, everyone remembers the ball going over his head with two outs and that. Uh, led to the tying run scoring. But the backstory behind that was during the pitching change early in the inning, uh, him and Josh Hamilton, the Rangers center fielder, were going to race to see who could get to the mound to celebrate first. And so they were like creeping in throughout the at-bat. And oh. I guess Cruz crept in just a little too far to be able to not get back and catch that fly ball. And Cruz is a, was a bad outfit. He's been a bad outfielder historically his whole career. I kind of blame Ron Washington for him being out there in the in when you're basically a a, a strike away from from a World Series title. I mean, right? I don't, you would you would back. think and yeah, Cruz was far more athletic back then too. I don't think that's is, but fully on Washington. But yes, uh, you got to put your best defense out there when you got a shot to win it. 
And, and there was no such thing as, uh, you know, tracking data of defensive players or this or prob- uh, catch probability. I mean, that, that catch, the catch probability on that ball was, was 60, 70, 80%, I would think at least. I mean, a normal outfielder would have caught that ball, but it, it is what it is. We're not Ranger fans. We're not going to sit here and cry about that. But Right. But that's how close Ron Washington yes. was to winning a World Series. And you that was the year, right? They were in the World yeah. Series two years in a row. Then. Yeah. They lost to the Giants the year before. But Ron Washington has been there. Uh, he stepped down from the role with the Rangers after there was a domestic violence accusation against him. Everything got cleared up there. There's also been some drug problems. And that's part of the reason why I think he hasn't been hired as a manager since then, because I think he stepped down in 2014. Uh, he's had various coaching roles. Uh, after he was with the Rangers, he was with the A's. And then he's been with the Braves for the last couple of years as their third base and infield coach. Their infield has been one of the best in the major leagues. And I don't think that's a coincidence that Ron Washington is their coach there. So like you mentioned, he was the guy who didn't get hired in 20 after 2019. And a lot of people viewed him as the favorite, but there's been some rumors that uh, the Potters haven't reached out to him with some interest. Yeah. I, I, I really, at this point, don't see them hiring Ron Washington. I'll, I'll tell that. I'll just be straight up and tell you that right now, because he finished second to the job to Tingler Tingler for lack of better words, sucked at his job. I, I just don't see them going backwards. Uh, the allegations against him, uh, not only domestic violence or allegations of sexual harassment of media members uh, in Texas, the, the drug use is, is concerning. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that that is a risky, a risky hire if they go that route. Uh, I understand he made it well known that he wants to be here. He, he wants to hire. He thinks he can get three results. Um, I don't question the fact that he can get results from this team and he would get results from this team. I think that the just too many distractions and too many other things that are just at this point, this, this hiring is, is AJ Peller's butt. I mean, he, he needs to bring in someone who's going to get results. And if he doesn't, he's next at this point because the results should be already happening from this ball club and they're just not. So um, I, and then, then there's the fact that the Padres aren't really saying much about Ron Washington. I mean, the, a lot of that is the fact that he is still in the playoffs with Atlanta. They're still uh, competing. They're still at least a week away from, from being able to interview him or talk to them unless they get the brace permission. But I, I just don't see that route with Washington. Um, let's move to Bruce Bochy, who I think you and I have a difference of opinion on, although I'm beginning to agree with you that he's probably not a good hire for this team. Uh, let's talk about Bruce Bochy. A lot of fans, I mean, talk about a polarizing hire. It seems like fans are either adamantly against this or are like, yes, bring him in. There's no, it's a no brainer. So let's talk about that, Dominic. So, I would not be a fan of the Bruce Bochy hire, and that's not for what he's done in the past. He's unarguably the greatest manager in Padres history. He managed the Padres to uh, four out of the six franchise playoff appearances. He was a player on one of the other six. Uh, He managed the Padres to one of their two World Series appearances. Unfortunately, they didn't win a game in that 98 World Series. As soon as he left, he went to San Francisco won three World Series with them, stepped down or retired following the 2019 season. He's been out of baseball since then. Uh, Part of the reason he retired was due to some health problems. He had to miss a couple of games here and there uh, during the latter half of his career in San Francisco because of some health issues. So uh, in my opinion, and this is nothing against Bruce Bochy as a coach, you know, if you're looking at the resume of all these guys that are potential hires, he is far and away the best candidate in that sense. But when you look at it, it's an older guy. You know, he managed a long time ago. Uh, he had to step away from health issues. And if those health issues come back, that's inconsistency in the dugout. And that's not to say that that can't work. Davey Martinez, the manager of the 2019 Nationals World Series championship team, he had to leave for a couple of days during the middle of the season due to some health problems. So it can work, but I just don't want that inconsistency and uh, in the Padres. Yeah, yeah. I really like Bochi. I've always liked Bochi. I like the way that he gets the most out of his players. He's regarded as a player manager. He's regarded as someone who just 
knows how to push the buttons correctly in a game situation and dealing with people. My issue is control. At this point, Bruce Bochy is pretty much a Hall of Fame manager. Is he going to be willing to take criticism from A.J. Preller, uh, be told who to start or who to play? I, I just I don't see the dynamics between the two of them working well. And then there's also concerns about Bochy with young players. He has the history of being rough on young players and Sean Burroughs comes to mind um, when he was here with the Padres. That's that the Padres still have some young players in Abrams and Capusano and, and, and Gore and and a few others, including Tatis who you got to really protect and you don't want to see their psyche damaged too much uh, in an old school managerial style. So I, I, and then there's the fact that I really don't see Bruce Bochy, wanting this job i mean as i mentioned this is he's pretty much a a hall of fame manager a lock for the hall of fame oh absolutely coming on and taking on this train wreck that that are the san diego padres currently right now is is risky and I, i i don't know we'll have to wait and see whether or not he even is linked to the team because at this point this is all just speculation this is all just fans uh, being nostalgic and remembering the great times with Bruce Bochy and, and he's going to be the savior for this team. And I don't necessarily think that's the, that's what the team needs. So um, let's move on to Buck Showalter who hasn't really been linked to the Padres, but he is definitely a manager with experience, someone who gets results, uh, a link to Manny Machado in Baltimore, uh, a link to uh, Dickerson and Kirby as well. Uh, whether or not they stay or not is, is remains to be seen. But um, give me your impression on uh, Buck Showalter and whether or not you think he is the man to lead this Padre team. So Showalter, he managed for four teams, started with the Yankees from 92 to 95, took a couple of years off, then was the manager for the Diamondbacks when they became a franchise for the first three years of that franchise history. Took a couple of years off after that as a manager then was hired by the Texas Rangers from 2003 to 2006. And then another three-year gap between that stint and being the manager for the Baltimore Orioles from 2010 to 2018. Uh, He has a winning percentage above 500 as a manager. That's pretty rare, especially for someone who's managed that many games because a lot goes wrong in baseball. But one thing that stands out to me for Showalter, he kept getting hired. So he's doing something right as a manager. You know, he's winning games, but... One thing I look at is every single time he left one of these organizations with the exception of the Orioles, they got better. He leaves the Yankees in 95. I don't even need to say what happens after that. They went three straight. We're on the brinks of winning four, uh, but they lost to the Diamondbacks who he was then hired by. They leaves after 2000. They come back and win the 2001 world series, the Texas Rangers. He leaves them in 2006 you know, it takes them a couple of years to get up, but they make the World Series in 2010 and 2011 with Ron Washington. The Orioles, they've been a dumpster fire. Uh, that's a lone exception, but that's something that stands out to me. I'm currently Brother, writing an article. Brother should have already hired him and fired him by now. Then then we'd be in a good spot, right? Uh, I'm not sure that would work, but uh, I mean, hey, it's worth a shot at this point. But uh, so I'm, I'm writing an article for us at eastvillagetimes.com. Uh, about Buck Showalter right now. That's one of the things I'm definitely mentioning, but uh, he managed Manny, uh, saw one of, some of the best years of his career uh, with Baltimore. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what this decision is made on Showalter because I Buster only reported the Potters report interest in uh, Showalter. He's a professional type of manager. He's a, he's a kind of guy who commands the respect kind of an old school type of way, but, you know, seeing him on, uh, and on the, on the TV, the last few years, he's embraced analytics a lot more and has been open to it. And uh, that's a decent fit. It's intriguing to see what he could get out of Machado in San Diego. Uh, You know, there's a lot of mutual respect between the two of them. And frankly, Manny Machado has developed into the captain of the San Diego Padres at this point. So uh, you really wouldn't have to worry about losing the locker room at that point. You would think with Buck Showalter at the helm. It's it's an interesting thought. Um, I I think that he is going to become more relevant as the Padres become uh, more serious about this search. 
Um, one of the latest candidates that's come up and someone who's not official yet is Aaron Boone, the New York Yankees manager. Uh, there's reportedly been some interest in the t- between the two sides. Uh, obviously, Boone is a third generation talent uh, with ties to San Diego. His grandfather and father were, were both San Diegans, played here in San Diego, Ray Boone. And uh, uh, God, what was his father, grandfather's name? I don't know. It's not Brett Boone. Brett Boone's his brother. <laughs> Um, but there's ties to San Diego. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, the Yankees are, they've already let go of Phil Nevin. They, they seem to be going in a different direction. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Aaron Boone um, and whether or not uh, he he's a candidate or not? Uh, his, da- his dad is Bob Boone. Grandfather was Ray Boone. Yeah. So Boone. He took over a very talented team starting in 2018 with the Yankees. The team went to the ALCS the prior year. So I think it's really hard to judge how he helped the talent of the team. Now, you could argue he'd be taking over a talented Padres team if he were to be hired for the 2022 season. So I think that would be a similarity uh, of doing that. And he had success in New York. I, I think there's no doubt about that. Now, try telling that to a Yankees fan. They're going to disagree with you, but that's because of the most delusional people on the face of the earth. Uh, 328 in a 218 managerial record in four years. That's incredible. The team won. And listen, they didn't get over the hump with that in that, in that sense, but they never really had that elite starting pitching staff. I think you see this Padres team, you know, you Darvish, hopefully he comes back strong from the injury. Blake Snell is fantastic at the end of the year. Joe Musgrove was fantastic all year. You know, Chris Paddock, he's shown some signs. Ryan Weathers before the second half of the season showed some signs. Hopefully Mike Clunder comes back. Like this would be one of the most talented starting pitching staffs he'd have. The players in New York loved him. He didn't always get some of the best results and results consistently out of them, but they all loved him. I think this would be a good hire. I'm not sure it's my favorite though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I really like Boone. I really like the fact that he did succeed i mean he was given the keys to uh, a ferrari but he succeeded i mean you could make the argument that tingler was given the, t- the keys to a ferrari as well and it crashed and burned so uh, it, he handled new york media really well it'd be interesting to see him uh versus the san diego media it'd be like 180 degrees difference for him uh, in dealing with, with the Padres and, and San Diego media compared to what he had to deal with in, in New York. Um, you meant, you mentioned the, the overall record. It's just crazy that New Yorkers and Yankee fans demand more out of their, it's a results based business and, and they demand results. I mean, he's succeeded for four years, brought this team in the playoffs, uh, had a, a hundred win season one or two times. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see whether or not the Yankees even part ways with him. But if they do, you would have to imagine that AJ Preller and, and Padres would, would have interest. Um, I think again, it comes down to gelling with AJ Preller because he's the type of general manager who's hands on. He's gonna, he's going to be in there messing with the roster, messing with players, trading players, trying different things and and for some managers that's that that irks them and then they just they can't handle it they want the control so it's going to be someone who is going to be able to work with him or it's going to be aj preller sitting back and letting his manager do the job so we'll have to wait and see which route they go and, and what we, what happens with this team but um i would think that they're going to want to do things pretty soon because uh, a couple of their coaches are already linked to different teams. I mean, Bobby Dickerson uh, to the Phillies is, is already something that's pretty real. Uh, Joe Girardi has shown a lot of interest in bringing him on board. Uh, Skip Schumacher to the St. Louis Cardinals, who suddenly have a managerial open, also makes sense. Um, the staff is, is going to be gobbled up and taken if, if, if A.J. Preller doesn't make a decision soon and they begin to develop their 2022 coaching staff. Um, give me your thoughts on Mike Schilt, uh, Cardinals manager who suddenly became open and, and, and available. He, yeah. He got, a lot, he got a lot of that Cardinals team. So I, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you, I, I really, honestly, I couldn't say too much about him because they're the Cardinals. I, I didn't really pay too much about his managerial style or, or him himself. So give me your thoughts on him. So Schilt, he took over as an interim manager in 2018 did such a good job that they rehired him in 2019 and 
all, all he did was produce wins. I mean, in 2019, they were struggling, but you know what? Schultz stuck with his guys. They ended up winning the division, winning a playoff series in 2020. They had to battle just a brutal COVID stretch. Brutal. They had to play so many doubleheaders at the end of the year. Ended up making it as a wildcard team. We all remember how Potters eliminated the Cardinals in the 2020 season, but he had a significantly undermanned team facing the Padres team that went 37 and 23 in the regular season, had them on the brinks up by four in the sixth inning, but the Padres were able to come back uh, fortunately for us. And then this past year, the Cardinals, they were struggling hard, looked like they were way out of the playoff race. All of a sudden they come firing out of nowhere and they end up making the playoffs losing in the wildcard game on a walk-off home run by Chris Taylor. Players seemed to love him. He was shocked by, by his firing. And uh, the Cardinals, they cited that uh, there were some philosophical differences. I don't know what that means. I like, (laughs) uh, you know, I trust the Cardinals to do what's right for their franchise because they've really given me no other reason to do so because all the Cardinals do is win and play in October. But makes you concerned. Like, what what was the real reason why Schilt was fired? And that's got to be the first question if Schilt gets an interview from the Padres. Why were you fired? Yeah, yeah. I I think – the philosophical reasons or differences is, is concerning. Um, like, like I mentioned, some managers want that control. And, and if a general manager comes in and, and moves players around and, and does things that, that they aren't happy with, uh, some managers just don't want to be there and, and they end up getting, getting fired, if you will. Uh, speaking of that, Dennis Lynn and uh, Ken Rosenthal, the, the athletic uh, persons put out a, a, a piece a couple weeks ago uh, we haven't recorded since then but I thought that was intriguing about uh, delving a little bit into why Andy Green was let go uh, originally with the first the first manager of the, of the Padres that AJ Preller hired um, and, and they kind of alluded to the fact that Fran Mil Reyes was traded uh, from the Padres uh, without Andy Green's knowledge or without the Preller asking Andy Green about that and, and it I don't know it wasn't really said but it kind of alluded to the fact that that's what led to his dismissal. It seemed that Andy Green and AJ Preller uh, had a difference of opinion. Uh, I don't know when you're a general manager, do you, don't you think it's important to, to talk to the manager who travels with these guys, deals with them on an everyday basis and knows which players are key to the chemistry and which players are key to, to be left alone. Or I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Dominic? It's got to be a two-way street. I mean, the coach has got to be able to give his opinion and the general manager has got to be able to give his opinion. And they both have to be able to respect each other, respect each other's opinions. And that's where you get things that can help lead to the right decisions. Because you could say, well, here's what I think and here's why. Well, here's what I think and here's why. Because if the right decision was to be able to trade for someone to help you, and it was that obvious, every other team would do it. Like That's why these tough decisions and why things are so obvious sometimes aren't done because it's not so obvious. So they have to be able to communicate and voice their opinions, voice their concerns with something. So that way, AJ Preller can go out and make the right moves to help the yeah. team win for whoever is hired. So to hear all that stuff, it's very concerning. It doesn't seem like AJ Preller's wanting anyone else's opinion, and that's <laughs> not a good sign. No, that's not a good sign at all because, like I say, the, these are the men that travel with these guys. These are the men that write the lineups hopefully every day and and put out who's going to play and, and where they're going to play. Uh, it, it's concerning. I, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, any other managerial candidates that we should be discussing at this point? Uh, anybody off the top of your head that you think is a right fit for this team? So I read an article this past week, and I got a lot of engagement. Uh, Will Venable. I think that he is actually a very good candidate. And I'll start by prefacing this. Everyone we've talked about is an experienced manager. And a lot of people have talked about the Potters need to hire an experienced manager. And like, I'm not going to disagree with that. Preller has hired two unexperienced managers and both have failed pretty badly, you know, considering what the Potters roster was this year and the expectations. But that doesn't mean that, the Padres can't have a first-year manager. It just means that AJ Preller hired the wrong first-year managers. And if you don't believe that he's going to hire the right one, that's a perfectly fine concern. But of the managers of the postseason this year, seven out of the 10 were first, first-time managers. Three out of the four managers remaining right now are first-time managers. And the last three World Series champions were managed by first-time managers. So the recent success points to a first-time manager. And Will Venable, 
would follow that. Now, Will Venable, former Padre, that's not why he's a candidate here. Will Venable, very smart person, went to Princeton. He played baseball there, you know, played in the major leagues, always, you know, had a good baseball IQ. You could tell, like he was very patient at the plate, did a lot of things that would signal towards a smart baseball player. Also, hired by Theo Epstein following the 2017 season to be in his front office. But Theo Epstein realized like, hey, I need you down on that field. Was the first base coach for two years. Cubs saw a little bit of a decline. They got rid of Joe Madden to completely overhaul the coaching staff, except for Will Venable. Will Venable stayed. He received a promotion, became their third base coach. More hands-on with the players. He's still in the dugout. All of a sudden, offense has a rebound year. They make the playoffs. They win the NL Central. It's the shortened season, I know, but still. Good sign. He then gets poached. He goes to the Boston Red Sox, who are experiencing some coaching changes. He interviewed for their head coach spot. It went and ended up going to Alex Cora, who basically everyone knew was going to get hired. But Cora said, you know what? I want Venable to be my bench coach, which is obviously the second highest honor job that you can receive as a coach. There's the head coach and there's the bench coach. Will Venable, large part of the reason why this team went from missing the playoffs in 2019 last place in 2020 90 plus win team. That's now in the ALCS as their bench coach. I think that Will Venable is a great managerial candidate. And I think he's an even better managerial candidate for the Padres than he is for other teams because he knows what it's like to be a Padre. He knows what the city's expectations are. He's handled some of the media. So he knows what that's like. I think Will Venable is an excellent managerial candidate here. Yeah, I, I think that he is going to manage in the major leagues at some point. That's pretty much a given. Uh, this is a smart guy. This is a, a, a Ivy League graduate, uh, very smart baseball player. If you put him with a experienced bench coach, like you put uh, Venable at the head coaching position and bring in Buck Showalter to be his bench coach, then I have no problem with his inexperience because he's going to make up for that with intelligence and with the fact that he's going to have an experienced bench coach guy with him, just helping him through all the intangibles and all the little things that are made up and that have to be done for a, when you're managing a major league team. So I, I think Venable is an interesting choice. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know. The, the fan base seems hell bent on the guy has to have experience, but the the fan base does not have anything to do with the hiring no. of, of manager. So uh, we'll 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 have to wait and see. I think Will Venable is definitely an interesting choice and someone who, like I say, is going to manage in the major leagues at some point. He does know the pain of being a Padre, and would uh, would would have no problem working with San Diego media and, and, and performing. So um, anyone else off the top of your head, I think uh, we'll skip Schumacher. Skip Schumacher. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's an interesting choice if they want to promote within, but again, we're talking about first year managers and I, yeah. I'm not sure he would be the best candidate, but I think that you got to at least interview him and you got to talk to the players, which is something I guess AJ Perler doesn't do that. Well, say, Hey, how would you feel if Skip Schumacher became our manager? And it's not like, hey, you know, Skip Schumacher is going to be our manager. What do you think? It's how would you feel? Get the best emotions, get their honest opinions, because, you know, you don't want another manager who doesn't have the respect from the players. That's the worst case scenario. Once again, don't want to find yourself in that hole. I, I think an experienced manager would fit here, but I can't just rule out first year managers. I, I think that would be a horrible mistake from AJ Preller's end. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot to do for AJ Preller and his staff this off season. Uh, we just hit on uh, their first goal, which is bringing a new manager. Uh, shortly after that, they'll start talking about coaching staff and then let's move into personnel. Uh, let's you and I talk about reconstructing this team. Uh, and making it better for 2022. Uh, I think the number one goal in that regard is clearing payroll. I, I think it's pretty obvious that the San Diego Padres uh, want to clear some payroll for next year. There's a lot of free agents out there that make sense for this team that are pipe dreams, if you will. <laughs> We're talking about a Scherzer, a Bryant, players like that. Uh, but this team wants to spend. They want to get better. 
they're they're going to have to move some payroll. Uh, Eric Hosmer is number one on that list. Uh, what do you think it's going to take for the San Diego Padres to be able to move, say, seventy five percent of his salary? Ooh, 75%. Uh, I think you're going to need to see a top level prospect, maybe not one of the top four guys, but you're going to see, need to see a solid talent player being moved, a player that other organizations like and other organizations can say, all right, I see this guy being an impact player in the major leagues in two to three years. I think that's something. Now, if these teams have properly scouted in the Dominican summer league, I think there's some really talented players down there. We talked about Montesino, Acosta. Uh, there's there's a lot of better players than what these rankings have made them out to be. Uh, but I think you're going to need to see a very solid Padres prospect, not Abrams, Hassel, Gore, Campusano. But I think anyone outside of that, I think, would be open table. And you have no leverage in this trade. You have none. So you know what? If Say, I mean, I keep throwing this team out there just like as a joke. Say the Texas Rangers come calling and they say, all right, we want, uh, you know, even Jackson Merrill or James Wood, the two draft picks, the Padres are uh, the two draft picks. The guys, the Padres just got say, Hey, we want that guy and we'll pay for uh, 75% of the contract of Eric Cosmer. And we'll give you some single A guy or something else that, you know, whoever you like. I yeah. think that might be a reasonable trade because you got to give up Eric Cosmer for four years and 25%. I mean, they're committing a decent amount of money to him. And as we've seen, it's very inconsistent with Eric Cosmer. Yeah. Cosmer is due to make uh 21 million next year. Uh, then has an opt out uh, himself uh, after the 2022 season. And then is on, uh, if he decides he declines that opt out, he is due three years and 39 million uh, to finish out his contract. So he's due roughly four years and $60 million left uh, on Eric Hosmer's contract. Uh, Will Myers is in the last year of his deal at $22.5 million for the 2022 season and has a buyout for next season at $1 million or a $20 million option for the 2023 season, which I don't see the Padres picking up. Um, Myers at $22.5 for one year is not a huge concern. I'm, I'm, I'm they, I'm sure they would like to be able to free themselves of that, but I think Hosmer is the big issue on just production alone. I mean, uh, you look at the OPS numbers, uh, Myers is 788 OPS in seven years for the Padres, nothing to write home my mom about, nothing to be excited about, but Hosmer is at a 739 OPS in four years with the Padres. Uh, and another thing to consider is that, after next year's uh, season is complete, uh, Eric Hosmer will have 10 and five rights, meaning 10 years in the league, five years with one team, and can veto any trade anywhere. Uh, at this point, I believe he has limited trade uh, powers and, and can only veto a couple trades for, for a couple team uh, cities here and there. Uh, but he is he can be moved. Uh, it, it's going to take prospects to move Eric Hosmer. How many? We'll have to wait and see, but I do anticipate that happening because they have Cronenworth already that can take over at first base. They can go after uh, Anthony Rizzo if they really get excited and, and want to bring in a, a, a left-handed hitting first baseman. And then there's Freddie Freeman out there who's a free agent. And I, I, it's, I, not I, I just, it's not I happening. It's not happening. I just don't see any way the Padres can afford him, but looking at AJ Prowler and the way he thinks, you know that he is salivating over trying to clear payroll and, and bring in a Freeman and add him to between Tatis and Machado. I mean, think about it, Padre friends, Tatis, Freeman, Machado. I mean, wow, that, that would be absolutely amazing, but you're, you're probably talking that three quarters of a billion dollars to, to secure those three players. Uh, it's, 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 I don't know. They, they're going to have to move some payroll. You uh, Darvish is another one who is under contract for the next two years at a 20 million, I believe, or something like that. Uh, I don't know, Dominic, where, where do you think that they're going to be able to move this payroll? I mean, they're, they're, they have uh, jerks and pro far making 7 million. Uh, I, I, I don't know. What, what do you, what, what is your thoughts? 
So I would honestly be shocked at this point if Eric Cosmer is a member of the San Diego Padres when he reports his spring training in 2022. Just all the reports, it makes sense that he's going to be gone. Uh, the divisiveness in the clubhouse uh, with him, all this stuff, it just doesn't make sense to where he is a player for this team. And it's probably best for the team that they move on from him. Yu Darvish is a really interesting case because he's going to make $20 million over the next two years. Uh, he's coming off a year in which his numbers suggest he was bad, but his analytics suggest that he was just kind of getting unlucky in the last half of the year. Also coming off of an injury, uh, people like me expect him to bounce back and be better than what he was this year. Not be great, but still be better. And then Myers, a one-year rental deal. I'm sure some other teams would take him on. I'm sure the talent's obviously there. He's, you know, with the exception of 2019, He's been an above average hitter, according to OPS plus for his entire career in San Diego. Hasn't been that far above average with the exception of 2019, but uh, 112, 115, 109, 110, the 96 in 2019, 160 in 2020, and then 113 in 2021. He's a very streaky hitter, and I'm sure that some teams would take a shot on him, uh, give up you know, a decent prospect to get him on that one-year deal, but... Uh, I think that's risky, but I trading away Hosmer and having to pay cash along with giving up prospects would suck, but it's a situation the Potters put themselves in by signing the wrong guys and paying them a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's no sugarcoating it. I mean, Eric Hosmer has been a miserable failure for this team and the locker room stuff, which was supposed to be his saving grace is is just not happening it's, it's turning out to be the exact opposite he's turning out to be an issue and and that's you have a hitter who's not productive at a position that's a premium offensive position and, and then you have a locker room issues you have a recipe for disaster so they're they're gonna have to move him and and i just i hate to see robert hassel the third or someone attached to him in order to get rid of him but i, I don't know we'll, we'll have to wait and see i think ultimately if they attach excellent prospects to him just to move him, then they're going to turn around and they're going to spend that money there. And I mentioned there's, there's some quality players out there. There's some quality first baseman. We, we talked about Freeman and Rizzo who are probably out of the price range for the Padres, but there's Kyle Schrober out there. There's Brandon belt out there. There's players who are productive that, that can come in and, and, and not cost the, the $20 million and, and be able to be bit players for this team. So, um, let's 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 go into the free agent market i i mean i have i have the page open in front of me so i'm looking at some of these names uh the Padres need pitching in, in the worst way and there's there's some interesting arms out there uh robbie ray who's probably going to win the cy young award for the american league uh is a free agent it's it, it it's remarkable that he only signed a, a one-year seven or eight million dollar contract with the blue jays last year um and, and kind of flew under the radar i think that that's someone the Padres could have could have uh been on but they weren't uh he has always been a strikeout pitcher but the the, the mechanics and the, and the walks have always been a problem with him yeah uh, robbie ray my this is one of my favorite baseball nuggets of all time robbie ray led the national league in walks in 2020 and he got traded to an american league team at the trade deadline yeah it, it's it's wild yeah, I mean, the, the dude just will not go over five or six innings because he's always has the high pitch counts because he's always behind. But then again, his K ratio is amazing. I mean, he's one of the highest strikeout pitchers in the league. So uh, I, I don't know. There's intriguing There's intriguing players out there. Uh, Carlos Rodon uh, from the White Sox is a free agent. Uh, Chris Archer, Steven Matz, Michael Waka, uh, Granke, Verlander, uh, Paxton, Stroman, Syndergaard, Zach Davies. Duffy, Kershaw, Scherzer, Gaussman. I mean, th there's some names out there. There's some really solid pitchers in, in all walks of life from productive ones and, and Scherzer ace-like pitchers all the way to uh, Noah Syndergaard, who has been rumored for the Padres for so long. I, somebody is going to pick up him. Someone's going to sign him on an incentive late, late deal and, and hopefully get something out of Thor. Um, will the Padres show interest in him? Do you see that happening? I, I think at this point it, it comes down to salary and, and whether or not they have the flexibility to throw out a little money here and there on players like that. And hopefully they produce at this point we're the, the team's pretty much maxed out on salary, right? Yeah. And going in on Thor, I think would be risky too. And that's yeah. nothing against Thor. He's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. 
uh, that sinker from that high angle along with a slider, a curveball, and a changeup is nasty. But uh, you got to consider that he's coming off of a Tommy John surgery in which he wasn't really able to pitch this year. And that's fine. You know, these guys, you know, Denelson Lament didn't really pitch that much in 2019 after Tommy John surgery. He pitches extremely well in 2020. It happens, but you're banking on him being healthy. And I think the Potters are also banking on Mike Clevenger coming off a of Tommy John surgery. So to also do that with, uh, with Noah Syndergaard, I think you're really rolling the dice there on your rotation arms. But uh, if you need these depth guys and you just need a bunch of arms, I think Syndergaard's a guy you can get for cheap and an incentive-based deal. I mean, you say like, hey, we'll give you $9 million, but for every five starts you make, uh, we'll give you another $500,000 or something like that. Yeah. Like the more, the more you pitch and then like there's other incentives in there. Like, Hey, here's these strikeouts and like, uh, innings pitch. But, uh, I think that would be a solid move. And the Potters won't be the only team that's going to offer him something like that, but they've been in on him in the past, like you mentioned. So the, the fit is there, but relying on two pitchers coming off Tommy John surgery is asking a lot. Yeah, no, there's a lot of injured pitchers that are going to be seeking uh, employment in 2022. Uh, we, I mentioned Archer, Kluber, Paxton. I mean, those are all injury risk pit type pitchers. Uh, they're going to sign somewhere. The, you know, it, it comes down to what, how, how expensive they are, how much they command, and, and whether or not you can fit them on your 40-man roster and, and potentially get something from them. Uh, but the Padres are going to need to do a better job of securing pitching, uh, even at the AAA level. At this, this point in, in 2021, they had a bunch of fringe-type relievers basically starting at, at AAA, and, and, it, and it hurt them in the end because they had no one to call up and, and provide innings when, when they needed it. So uh, they're going to have to make some signings. They're going to have to bring in some veteran type arms, some, some up and comers, if you will, to, to, to solidify that uh, Chihuahua rotation starting the 2022 season, because they, they, their lack of depth really hurt them this year. Um, anyone else uh, free agent wise uh, looks, I, you know, I see Michael Conforto and that's someone who's always intrigued me. Yeah, he's going to be this year. Uh, left-handed outfielder numbers have been up and down, kind of like Myers. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing that out there because that's someone who's who's kind of intrigued me for just his offensive possibilities. Um, Starlin Marte is another outfielder who's a free agent. Um, I, I don't know anybody who's sticking out in in your eyes. Uh, I'm a big believer. And Michael Conforto and with Conforto, he's put up really good numbers throughout his career. I mean, we're looking at OPS plus here, 2017, 148 as an all-star 122 in 2018, 127 in 2019 and in 2020, a 154 OPS plus now 2020, it didn't go his way, but there are some encouraging signs as to this year kind of being an unlucky year, the 232 batting average, which we all know not good batting average is not a great way to, evaluate players anymore a 344 obp so he's walking he's that means he's seeing the ball decently well and then his woba to x woba difference was one of the highest in the league so that basically means he was being he was pretty unlucky as a hitter so i think that uh he's gonna probably sign a one-year or a two-year deal with someone uh and try and bet on himself that hey 2021 was an off year for me and i think the padres who are probably gonna be looking for another left-handed power outfield bat I think Conforto fits that build perfectly. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that he may be someone who takes his game to the next level getting out of New York. I think sometimes players playing in New York, it, it can wear on them. Uh, we all know the game's mental. And just the pressures of New York can kind of wear on, t on, on players. And I think that him getting out of New York and coming to Southern California and, and not being – expected to be the the big star the, the the middle of the lineup type hitter will will actually he'll actually be able to produce so i think uh we'll have to wait and see again it, it's going to come down to money it's going to come down to payroll it's going to come down to uh roster construction and, and who's available but uh aj probably has some work to do for sure uh let's talk about the closer position which is also in flux for the 2022 season uh mark melanson uh and the Padres own a mutual option for $5 million. 
There's no way that Melanson's going to agree to that. He already signed for, I believe, $2 million last year and took a uh, team-friendly deal uh, to sign with the Padres. He led all of baseball in saves this past year. He's going to want to cash in. He's going to want a multi-year deal. If the Padres aren't able to secure him, there really isn't much out there on the free agent market to replace him. Uh, you're looking at maybe a Brad Hand. You're looking at Rosenthal, two former Padres. Uh, Craig Kimbrell has a club option uh, with the White Sox. There really isn't much else. So who closes for this team next year? That's a great question. I, I don't think there's that many great internal options for the Padres because oh. we – Personally, I loved Austin Adams, and then he showed me in the last month and a half of the year that that's not going to be a uh, indicative reliever who you want coming in those clutch situations. Emilio Pagan, it kind of felt like he could be that guy. Never showed it as a Padre. I'd imagine he's not brought back by the team. It's really hard to convince me that Craig Stammen would be the closer for the San Diego Padres, considering that he's uh, a veteran. He's never really done that. So I don't know. It's a really good question. I It's concerning. You got to hope that someone steps up. Uh, you would have loved to have my early, my early favorite is the Nelson Lament. Yeah, I think that's an option. Uh, Kevin Copps, third round draft pick by the San Diego Padres, closed to Arkansas this past year. I won the Golden Spikes ball. Award. No, he's not. It feels like 93, 94 with that cutter. Uh, and in the minors, he was fantastic. Uh, he pitched, uh, he played all the way up from rookie to double A. Uh, in, in high a Fort Wayne, he had eight innings. He struck out 10 guys, didn't allow any runs in double a, he only pitched two innings, but he struck out two guys, didn't allow any runs. He was a stud. I think that he could be a guy that pitches in spring training, trying to get a roster spot. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the closer, but I think did also the a better option there. Your best case scenario would have been, you don't trade on just Munoz to the Mariners. And he's your closer coming back from Tommy John surgery, but that's not the case. Uh, you mentioned Rosenthal. He had Tommy John surgery in yep. March, I believe. So that would not be a good option there, but uh, I don't know. The Padres, they, they had so many options out there and they've all like gone to waste. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah. That that's, there's definitely some unanswered questions for this team moving forward. Uh, we kind of delved into a little bit of them. Um, um, let's talk about the possibility of the DH in the national league for the 2022 season. Uh, I think that that will be a huge thing for the Padres. Uh, just getting that extra offensive weapon in there and the way AJ Preller seems hell bent on improving this team. You'd expect for them to go out and secure a, a Schwarber or a, a Nelson Cruz or someone like that to, to solidify that position or the team could just move players around on, on the DH and, and just use their flexibility that way. But I think that that is definitely a bonus for the Padres. Uh, if the DH is able to, to, is accepted for the 2022 season. That still remains to be seen. It's still up in the air. Um, I don't know. There's there's some intriguing free agents this 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 winter, and the Padres are trying to get over the hump. And you'd expect for them to be just aggressive, like they, they like they always are. Uh, I think that their number one goal, as we mentioned, is to move salary though at this point, and and to be able to to gain that flexibility, right, Dominic? I mean, if you don't have the flexibility. They're just not. They're just not going to go anywhere. So, what do you think? Do you think that we're maxed out on payroll? Do you think that Peter Seidler will allow for this team to go to that next level, or, or are they just no way that they're going to go through the luxury tax stuff and stuff like that? Well, so there are already concerns that the Potters are over the, the luxury tax for this past season. So, the first year it's not really a problem. If you're over it again for a second year, it starts to become a bigger deal. Then the third year you start losing draft picks. So, I think they have a little bit of flexibility, but you got to try and find a way to get rid of Eric Cosmer's contract. I think that's priority. Number one, you got to find some pitchers that you feel like can give you quality innings and provide depth in the system for you. Uh, the DH I'd love to add another bat, but I, I don't know if that's possible for this team and Tommy fan might be willing to come back on a one year, couple billion dollar deal. Uh, Cause he knows that he had a disappointing season uh, come back and try and uh, exceed expectations for himself. Yeah, I think a lot of the roster construction is going to be based upon who they bring in as manager. I think, well, I would hope that the manager has say in 
<laughs> who's brought in uh, to his team. Um, we'll just have to wait and see that that first that first move is going to be manager, the hiring of manager, and and from then we should get a better idea once the World Series wraps up and free agency starts where where this team is going to go and, and where the rumors are headed. Um, at this point, I think. They just they, they need to move some payroll for sure. Um, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, let's see. Mackenzie Gore debuted in the AZL uh, for the Javelinas. Uh, looked well. Clocked up to 96, 97, 98, I thought. I saw in some reports. Frustrating. Really frustrating. Uh, seeing this Padre team fall apart at the end of the year from lack of starting pitching. And their number one prospect is just kind of spinning his wheels in the minors. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mackenzie Gore moving forward? I wrote a piece about uh, 13 prospects to look forward to in 2022, or they're going to have a great year in 2022. Uh, I left Gore off that list because I fully expect him to make this team out of spring training and be a San Diego Padre. So uh, give me your thoughts on Gore. I still think he's going to be a very good pitcher for the Padres. Like I, I haven't dropped that thought. Now my thought of him being one of the best pitchers in Padres franchise history has, you know, I've, press the brakes on that take a little bit, but he still has all the stuff that made him that top pitching prospect. He just lost a little bit of the command and he's had a lot of bumps on the road over the last year and a half that have led to this issue. He's 22 people. Like he's going to be good. The people who lost all faith in him are going to look like idiots. And that's because they just use these very reactionary takes. Mackenzie Gore is still going to be good. He may not be as dominant as we once were hoping for, but uh, he's going to be good. Hopefully I can get out there and see him do a couple of fall league starts now that I'm out here and I have my car. I couldn't attend fall league games last year, but hopefully I can do so this year because I'd love to see Gore. I want to see Abrams play out there too, coming off that injury. Uh, I still have high future expectations for these guys. Yeah, no, the age on Gore is is what people need to really realize and think about. This is a a, a young pitcher who is been rushed potentially. I mean, the mechanics are a little different. That's seemed to be what the Padres' main concern was. They they kind of they didn't really eliminate his leg kick. He's kind of utilizing it less. I, I don't know. It's it's I've seen so many conflicting reports. I've seen him pitched live so many times and he just looks a little different to me um the results are still there though the, there's been no physical ailments other than blister issues that have that have popped up here and there but physically he's fine the velocity has been there the whole time um i expect big things from this man and i expect him to have a chip on his shoulder and, and be the dominating pitcher which he's he wants to be he wants to dominate he's in interview him, that's a word that he used multiple times in, in describing his pitching and the way he pitches is domination. He wants to dominate. He wants to be an ace. He wants to be a top of the rotation type pitcher. And I think that it will happen. Uh, these growing pains that he's going through right now are going to be vital in his development and vital in his mental strength, which is really going to take him to, to where the Padres needed to be. So just uh, pump the brakes on Mackenzie Gore and the bashing of him. Uh, I would expect him to be, like I say, on this team when camp bring, when camp breaks next year um, and, and performing. So um, let, let's move on to Luis Camposano catching situation for the Padres is a little up in the air. Austin Nola has been banged up uh, to say the least uh, has a, Injured wheel now, a knee injury, which is concerning for a catcher. Uh, Nola is definitely not young and not a young player. Um, Luis Camposano was productive in El Paso, hitting home runs. Uh, the maturity seems to have improved in him. Uh, do you think Camposano is going to be the starting catcher when the Padres begin their season next year? I don't know. The catching situation is a complete disaster. In my opinion, Camposano had some injury concerns at the end of the year. Nola been banged up. Caratini wasn't very good. And he came in as Darvish's personal catcher. And then Darvish was struggling. Now there's concerns that, Hey, the Potters might move off of Darvish. So I really don't know what this catching situation is going to look like. I still believe Camposano is going to be a very good catcher for the San Diego Padres. A lot of experts would agree with that. 
I wouldn't be shocked if he's the primary catcher next year, but I really don't know what this catching situation is going to look like. Cause right now the Potters have three catchers who are, and will be capable. One of them, uh, his contract expires after next year. That's Caratini Nola. He's got four more years to control. And then Campusano, uh, he's yet to, uh, accumulate a year of service time. So there it's really puzzling what this catching situation is going to be like for me. I would be shocked. And I mean, I want to be surprised if I see any of this stuff, uh, if any of these guys were moved on from the soft season, I mean, I can't imagine they move from Nola and then Campusano would be a shocking trade, but you'd have to be getting something back in return. But I just don't know where they're going to go because I, I, I think there's so many options that you're kind of tied to. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The catching situation is definitely a concern. Caratini was basically a, a waste of a roster spot there, although he did have some clutch hits for this team early in the year. Uh, I, I really don't know. That Mariners trade last year is just looking worse and worse when you factor in the fact that uh, Brash made his major league debut this year for the Mariners and looks absolutely filthy. And the Padres just... DFA Williams and allowed, I don't even know the Marlins claimed him. Somebody, claimed, I mean, uh, you know, we don't like to go look backwards on, on moves and, and potential things that were done, but that Mariners trade is really looking bad. I mean, God, Taylor Trammell is, is, has yet to really establish himself in this league. Ty France was so productive for the Mariners last year. Luis Torrens was talk about catching. Luis Torrens was productive for the Ems last year. And then you mentioned Munoz throwing 103. So I don't trade's know. awful. It's yeah, awful. Trade, and, and, and in, in our group feed on Twitter for these village times, I, 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 I talked about this trade when it happened. I, I, I worried about it because you were trading for players that were, Overvalued, for lack of a better word. Austin Nola was 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 at his pinnacle value. I mean, this is someone who was a infielder, career minor leaguer who who just figured it out at the catching position, was hitting line drives everywhere. But this isn't a young player, so I, I really had concerns when that that deal happened. I don't know, man. And and then dealing for three relievers who relievers are a dime a dozen. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's you can pick up relievers anywhere. If you just do some due diligence They're they're neither one of these three guys were overly impressive. They didn't throw 103 miles per hour. That's for sure. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really having some concerns over the moves that are made on, on, on this team over the past few years. I'm really having concerns about the way that this franchise is, is presenting itself to its players, to its personnel, to the fan base, to the to the media, to everyone, it, it, they are the lone representative in San Diego. When you talk about professional sports, they are they represent the city. There's no other team that represents the city like this. They are the San Diego Padres. They are a nationally recognized franchise, and quite frankly, they're doing the city wrong, bad, and things need to needs to change. I, putting your best foot forward. And spending money is not the answer. That's not that's not the ultimate ultimately how things work. That's 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 good things just aren't gonna happen if you do that. It takes more than that. It takes personality, it takes getting rolling up your sleeve and getting to know people and 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 becoming a better franchise in itself from the inside out. So I, I don't know. Um kind of ending on a gloomy note here, if you will. But this franchise is, is really, it's frustrating, Dominic. I mean, you're, you're a young man. You, you haven't at your age, when I was your age, uh, the Padres were coming off uh, 96, 98. They were, they were winning. They were, they're productive. There was still hope that this franchise was going to turn the corner. And, and the two thousands were pretty much just crap for, for, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, they did have some success when they when they went out and 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 signed some veteran players and, and tried to attempt to win. But ultimately, it's just frustrating seeing. I mean, you look at the 2021 playoffs. How many ex-Padres were there on, on it seemed like virtually every team had an ex-Padre? I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just venting. 
um, just frustrated on the way the season ended because it, it seemed so positive, but it's, it's ultimately it's, it's a shit show. The, the team is a shit show right now. And there is a lot of work to be done. Um, a lot of work, right? Dominic. Yep. But they've got the pieces there that can make up a championship roster. So just takes a couple of moves. I mean, the nationals, it felt like everything was going right for them in the early part of this decade. Then it went bad. And then all of a sudden a couple of retooling in 2019, they won a world series. Uh, the Dodgers, it took them a couple of years to get over that hump. Uh, there, there's stories like this that ended that have ended well. So it's just up to the Potters to make the right moves. Yes, it is. It is. And, and ultimately I hope that they stay away from name value players and think a little bit more about heart and, and, and winning and, and getting the best out of players who are undervalued and, and, and be able to cultivate them and take them to the next level. Look at what the giants got this year out of Wade. Look what the Dodgers got to get out of Chris Taylor and, and Muncie and, 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 and Turner at third base. I mean, that is what the Padres need in order to make it to the next level. They need to go out and, and trade for a, a George Soler for, and turn him into a perennial all-star. And that's just the name I'm throwing out there. Don't think that the Padres are having any interest in him, but I'm just saying they need to take a player who's spinning their wheels at the major league level, just not being consistent, not being productive and take them into the superstar level and get major league production, major league player development, player development is big on the San Diego Padres. They need it. They need to improve it. We need to see results from this franchise. Yep. Everything's there in front of the Padres. They just got to be able to capitalize on it. And I still have faith that this team can make the playoffs this upcoming year. And we know that if this rotation makes it in along with some of these really high octane bats, they can make a run, but they need the other players around them to step up because that's what killed the Padres this year. Yeah. Yeah. They better make the playoffs this year with the roster that they have and the cornerstones and the foundation that they have to win and ownership, putting in the money and putting in the effort. They better make the playoffs this year or there's going to be hell to pay. They, they are constructed to win now. They, like I say, it's going to be about the bit players. It's going to be about the, the 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th man on your roster that actually make a difference and improve this team and, and are coveted by other teams. We can't have players that are just fringe type garbage players that are just taking up roster spots. They, that it's just, it can't happen. It, it just can't happen. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I know this has been a little bit of a positive <laughs> end to our, our podcast, but uh a lot of work needs to be done on this team. It's going to be an exciting winter. That's for sure. Go Braves. Uh, hopefully the Dodgers don't make it to the world series again. Uh, little Braves, little, little faith. Yeah. After they, uh, three and one. Up, three and one. Yeah. I, I'm still angry at them for, for last year, honestly. Um, but yeah, then that, uh, Dodger giant series was, was really interesting to watch what's going to happen in 2022 with this, with, with the NL West. I, I don't see you know, the, the giants have some key free agents and Gosman and Bryant and, and some issues in, in that regard, but their payroll is not really high. They can go out and they can sign players. They can go out and make a, a, a splash and, and they have that taste of winning now. And, and Kapler's getting the results out of them. They're, they're going to be a team to reckon with. And, and the Dodgers obviously aren't going anywhere. They, they do have some free agent issues as well with Seager and, and Scherzer and Kershaw and stuff like that. But it's another team that's creative, has a deep farm system, and they're, they're going to be back. So the Padres, they have their work cut out for them, right? I mean, you can't expect three NL West teams to make the playoffs next year. And and being that second or third team is is a, is one a one-game playoff, which is scary in itself. Yep. I mean, we saw that this year. The Cardinals won 17 straight games in September, but didn't matter because they didn't win that game against the Dodgers. So, yeah. Potters got their work cut out for them. We'll see what happens to the Dodgers the rest of the way in this postseason. This team's still capable of doing great things, but they have to put the other pieces around Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Jake Ferdinworth, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, Joe Musgrove, and the rest of those guys. 
Yeah, the, the nucleus is there. They're there. They are built to win now. Uh, it's very exciting time to be a Padre fan. This is like no other time. It's just uh, the expectations are there. The The city is anxious. Uh, they want results. So we're, we're just patience is not <laughs> is not a thing uh, for San Diegans at, at this point and at any point for that matter. Uh, the results, are, we want results. So uh it's a it's interesting time to be a Padre fan, that's for sure. Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here. I think we are pretty good. We should be back next week with uh, another show. Hopefully, we'll have some managerial news. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect the manager to be hired by next week, but you never know. Um, we will see. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening to the East Village Times podcast. This has been episode one forty nine. Uh, we'll see if there's any other managerial candidates to come on uh, the San Diego sports airwaves and, uh, and talk uh, like Ron Washington did. I can't imagine that'll happen, but uh, any other news that gets reported by any of the Potter's beat writers and by us, definitely make sure you want to read that. You can find our work at eastfoolagetimes.com. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have an article out on Buck Showalter, uh, hopefully up by tomorrow uh, when I finish it along with this podcast. Uh, there's already articles about other managerial candidates. Bruce Bochy was done a bit ago. I did one on Will Venable, James, and I, you did one on Ron Washington. And then there was another article about Aaron Boone. So everything's laid out there for potential managerial candidates uh, on eastfilchtimes.com. I'd assume we'll get a Mike Schilt article up there at some point this weekend too. And also make sure to check out our other content over there. Aztecs football season, they're still undefeated. They're in the top 25. So you can make sure to read all of our incredible work on Aztecs football and basketball season starts in just around a month. So, uh, you can find all of our work at eastvillagetimes.com. Our, our SDSU coverage team, uh, it's the best in the county. Uh, we get rave reviews from the fans and from other journalists that also cover the team. So uh, you definitely can't miss our work over there at eastvillagetimes.com. But we thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we can't say go Padres to close out this episode because the season is over. So we will leave with a go Braves, uh, which is basically a T- TFLAD, team facing the Los Angeles Dodgers. That has been a the Padres team to support in the postseason for a long time with uh, the one exception being last year, but uh, you know, we never like to see the Dodgers have success. Hopefully they lose this upcoming series against the Braves and we'll come back to you soon with another episode uh, updating you on any off season news regarding the Padres on behalf of James Clark and I thank you for listening to the East Village Times podcast. <laughs>